Hello, and welcome to this podcast episode of Let's Talk About All Things Medical. My name is Ellie, and I currently work as a nurse and aspire to be a future nurse practitioner. And today I'm going to talk about pharmacogenetics and how it can relate to better pain management and treatment during a patient's end of life. Pretty heavy stuff, I know, but we're going to take the time to break it down further and hopefully get into the nitty gritty of this topic. Now, before we dive into the sad end of life discussion, let's first, ter- first talk about what is, what is pharmacogenetics and why do we as medical providers even care about this topic? You know, what does our future hold with regards to pharmacogenetics and as medical providers? So upon my research, I found in the many journal articles that I read, and especially in this journal of pain and palliative care pharmacotherapy, um, author Michael Shu et al. defined pharmacogenetics as the study of inherited genetic information that can influence a person's drug response. Pharmacogenetic therapy is a way to better individualize a patient's medication therapy to ensure a better patient outcome and hopefully less adverse drug reactions. You know, from a pain perspective, tailoring one's individual therapy is a way for us medical providers to ensure a decrease in our patient's pain and suffering. Um, I also found a statement from the Indian Journal of Palliative Care saying, that on average, one out of three patients is not receiving an appropriate pain medication regimen to adequately treat their pain intensity. You know, to me, that really hit hard. You know, working as a bedside nurse and having treated many patients who are in pain or, and especially, you know, with patients during their end of life, all I want to do is make sure that they are comfortable and that they're not going to suffer or in any pain. You know, and if I have a patient who can't tell me how this pain medication is, is making them feel, or if it's relieving their pain, you know, I want to be able to make sure that the drugs I'm giving them is adequately relieving that. So how does pharmacogenetics work? Well, in our bodies, our liver and kidneys are the major organs associated with metabolizing and processing the drugs we take. You know, like someone's fingerprint, everyone is made up differently, and how one absorbs, metabolizes, and excretes a drug is different. You know, for example, you know, one person could be a poor or slow metabolizer of a drug while someone else is an intermediate metabolizer and then someone else could be an ultra metabolizer of a drug, you know, meaning that this person breaks down the drug at a faster rate than someone else. You know, bottom line, all these all these have an effect on how and or what dosage we as prescribers are going to prescribe to this person so that we can ensure, you know, less adverse drug reactions and even toxicity. You know, in our system, in our liver, most of the pain medications that we take is metabolized through our gene enzymes, specifically the cytochrome P450. And then, you know, and how these enzymes work in our bodies is different for everybody. So to bring this back to pain management and how it all relates, knowing all this is beneficial because opiates or pain medications usually have a narrow therapeutic index and precise dose regimens is needed to maintain that balance of adequately treating someone's pain with using the least amount of drug possible versus treating it too much and then potentially overdosing your patient, which we all know can result in a true medical emergency. You know, in this article I read from the Journal of Pain and Palliative Care Pharmacotherapy, I feel like they said it right when they said, and I quote, Personalized pain therapy can be seen as an evolution of the traditional prescribing principle of individualized therapy 
of choosing the right drug for the right patient at the right time with the right dosage and in the right formulation. So back to why, why do we as providers care about pharmacogenetics? Well, the use of it can have other benefits. You know, for example, if, if we knew a patient's genetic makeup and how they were going to respond or not respond to a certain medication, that can better guide us as providers in treating them. For example, it can lessen how many, you know, trial and error drugs that we put them on to see if this patient will get the desired effect to treat their certain condition. You know, for example, in epilepsy, instead of adding that fourth or fifth or sixth anti-epileptic drug to achieve this patient's seizure control, if we just knew ahead of time what their genetic makeup is, and if this, you know, if one or two of their medications are not even going to work, then we can just avoid altogether prescribing that patient those medications, which then put them at increased risk of bad side effects. All right, so I know you guys are all probably thinking to yourselves, well, Ellie, pain is subjective. How can you even measure it from one person to the next? Well, that's a great question. How can we adequately target and treat someone's pain and suffering without objectively measuring it? Well, in a study published in 2013 within the Journal of Pain and Palliative Pharmacotherapy, which looked specifically at neuropathic-associated pain, researchers were able to identify ways in which pain can be subjectively measured. You know, one way was the use of imaging. So they used PET scans and MRI scans, which looked at someone's brain when they were experiencing pain or an emotion. For example, I think they showed these um, patients pictures of their loved ones. And what they found was that when the patients saw these pictures of their loved ones, that area of the brain that corresponded with that emotion was able to light up. And these researchers were able to measure that. Another way which was identified was the use of phenotyping, which used a quantitative sensory test to identify subgroups of patients with different underlying pain mechanisms, which better provided a specific treatment. This method is a non-invasive way to help determine the cause and assess the severity of any sensory abnormality within the patients. And in the end, they found that patients with the same disease process presented with different phenotypes which that's useful for us to know when identifying underlying pain mechanisms and it helps predict outcomes of therapy and quantify proper therapeutic treatments in pain management. Lastly, the researchers identified the potential use of measuring biomarkers to help objectively measure someone's pain response. They did say that further research is needed on this area. However, the hope is that with the use of biomarkers or measuring biomarkers, that can be defined when associated with chronic pain diseases, which then can ultimately better measure how effective our treatment of pain really is. Okay, so now that we all have an understanding of what pharmacogenetics is and how it can relate to us as providers treating our patients, let's talk about the emotional stuff now that I had mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, which is end of life and how it can relate to pharmacogenetics itself. You know, end of life is never easy for anybody, you know, whether it's you're working as a medical professional, helping a patient in their end of end of their life, as well as supporting their family, but also in your personal life, you know, and in, in being around loved ones that, you know, may be close to passing, um, you know, whether it's at work in, or in a professional, in a professional setting or as a loved one, you know, bottom line, no one wants anyone to suffer in their last moments. You know, dying should be peaceful and painless whenever possible. And working as a nurse and in my personal life, I have definitely been a part of many end-of-life 
um, situations and transitions and wondered and always wondered why it takes someone this amount of medication to achieve comfort versus someone else who it may take triple that amount of medication to achieve comfort. You know, and I definitely have had that experience of, I think, across the board, families just look at you and they say the biggest thing is that they just want you to, they want to make sure that their, that their loved one is not going to suffer. And as a nurse, I want to make sure that's not going to happen. You know, one situation I remember while working as a nurse is a situation where I, you know, I had a young woman as a patient who, you know, really sadly was dying. Um, she had a really bad infection in her heart that was in her lungs. And it was something that unfortunately, you know, our team of doctors and surgeons were unable to fix and um, had to make the tough decision that unfortunately she um, was going to pass. So at that time, you know, it was my, obviously my job to make sure she was as comfortable as possible and pain-free and, um, you know, definitely pass with dignity. But I remember it took a lot of medications to get her comfortable. You know, I remember even mentioning, wow, I feel like I'm draining the the pixis of pain medicine and anti-anxiety medicines for this for this young woman just to get her comfortable. And I remember thinking to myself, well, why is that? Why is it taking so much drugs for this woman to make sure that she can pass peacefully? Um, and I feel like that case will always stick with me as a nurse because in the end, you know, she did ultimately end up passing, but I felt like I could have done more. You know, I, I had all these resources, I had all these drugs that I could give her, but I felt like it was never enough. You know, um, I don't think she suffered greatly, but I do feel like, you know, maybe she could have been more comfortable. So, you know, that this area has always interested me in knowing, you know, if we had just known her genetic makeup, if we had done her pharmacogenetic um, blood work, and we knew what her genetic makeup was and how she metabolized all these pain medications, you know, maybe we could have better tailored that therapy to her to really ensure that she was going to pass peacefully. You know, and I think a lot of families can resonate with that. Um, and I think a lot of families and patients themselves would definitely agree that what they want the most is never to suffer and to never be in pain. And as, as, as providers, if we can provide that and ensure these families and these patients of that, I think that could be the greatest gift for someone in their end of life. We can also better someone's end of life experience for them and the families is, you know, tailor the pain medication to the patient's end of life, you know, by using the least amount of drug possible. You know, for example, a lot of these medications come with harsh side effects like nausea, vomiting, um, drowsiness, and even sometimes prevent the patient from enjoying time with their loved ones because they are so, you know, quote unquote, out of it. Um, you know, with pharmacogenetics, we have that ability and we have that potential to lessen these side effects by using the least amount of drug needed to achieve that adequate comfort and pain control for this patient. You know, all of this can better that patient's end of life moments, as well as bring comfort to both them and their families, because maybe they could actually be a part of the conversation or a part of that experience with their families and just enjoy being in those last moments of their life with the people that surround them that they care the most about. You know, I feel like more times than not in these end of life um, situations that I've been a part of, you know, we, we give these patients these, these opiates and anti-anxiety medications to obviously lessen that suffering. But unfortunately it then sometimes in higher dosages takes them out of the picture 
where, you know, their loved ones just remember them laying in, in the bed, not able to engage with them, not able to talk to them. Um, so if we can do this for them, I think that can just better the experience overall for both the patient and their families. And, um, an article I read that I thought was really interesting was, you know, they proposed a model for incorporating pharmacogenetics uh, test results into their clinical practice. And it involved using a, a pharmacogenetic consult in which a pharmacist meets with the patient to go over their genetic test results and then how that applies to their current medications they're taking. So, you know, how that applies to all those blood pressure medications they're taking and what if, what affects them the best versus the least. Um, you know, they use these results to analyze the patient's current medication regimen and insi- um, assist in investigating the reasons for, pre- you know, maybe previous drugs that didn't work for them, um, as well as dosages and everything. You know, the patient at that point is then provided with like a personalized report, which includes their results and addresses medication options that have the highest level of evidence available. You know, I think I think that's super important. I think to, you know, be able to go to your provider and have a pharmacist there to actually break down what these medications mean, you know, the side effects, what it means specifically to your body and how it's going to work, I think could also better engage the patient in their healthcare and maybe have them be able to take initiative of their own health and understand what is going on inside their body and why they're experiencing this disease process. Um, I think it could better the relationship between provider and patient. And I think it can just open up all these doors to hopefully have better health care. Um, so, you know, in summary, you know, pharmacogenetics, it's just, it's in the early phases of research. And I think it's in the early phases of providers, um, you know, recognizing it and maybe using it into their practice, but it definitely opens up a world of doors of what we can do and where we can go in our current healthcare practice. So anyways, that is all the time we have today for this podcast. I appreciate all you guys listening. I'm sure a lot of you can resonate with what I've been saying and the personalized stories that I, I told today. So I really appreciate all your listening and I hope all of you have a great day. Thank you.